0: Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 785th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Greg Peterson coming to you from Urban Farm U and my new farm. I'm just starting to announce the new name. Enoch, it's called Goodness Grows Organics.
1: Awesome,
0: yeah. And uh, tonight we are here for our garden chat, and I'm here with Enoch Graham. Welcome, Enoch.
1: Hey, thank you, Greg. It's great to be back here with you for your monthly garden chat. This is gonna be great,
0: these are fun, and I, I love them. One of the things I love about them is that they get to show up on the podcast next month,
1: yeah. That's gonna be great.
0: So, Enoch is a small space gardener who has been growing some of his own food for over 12 years in his limited urban space in Southern Oregon. Growing so many different varieties of vegetables and fruits is, in his limited space garden has taken his gardening skills to a new level each year and has been sharing that in his gardening adventures with his viewers on YouTube at the Urban Gardener channel. For the last seven years, you've been doing that for seven years?
1: Yeah, I think it's seven years now. This Yeah, this wow. year that we've been playing around with the, not just the garden, but also taking the camera out there so that we can share it with everybody else. Yeah, awesome. yeah, it's hard to believe. Seven years.
0: That's great. It goes by fast, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, cool.
0: Congratulations. And let me just finish here. When his passion for growing his own food and gardening grew over the years, he never imagined where it would take him. He is constantly mm. surprised by what he gets back by sharing his growing adventure. That's the yeah. reason I do this: these garden chats and the podcast is yeah. the learning and feedback that I get to make along the way. Yeah, that's
1: a great part of the whole story, though, too, is that it was listening and following along with uh, gardeners and people like yourself who are already out there sharing and everything that encouraged me to uh, take what I was doing here and getting feedback locally to like I said making the YouTube channel and everything so that I could share it in a wider sense as well too because I think some of this small space gardening stuff is really amazing
0: oh yeah Mm -hmm. big time we just had Mm -hmm. I do a radio show once a month in Phoenix on the Rosie on the House station and we had Kari Spencer on our show last Saturday talking about patio farming yes
1: yes Oh yeah. See, there's oh. so much you can do on a patio, a balcony. And that's basically what I've got here, or at least I initially started with before we expanded to the alleyways and the rooftops nice. and all of that stuff too. Is, as we do as gardeners, we want to grab as much space as we can. And when it's limited, you got to take what you can get. But I started with a just a, a patio, just a nice yeah. little 10 by 10 patio that we were growing on.
0: Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So tonight we're talking vermicomposting. And Mm -hmm. for some of those people out there that may not know, verma what?
1: Yeah, vermicompost. Yeah, vermicompost. That's also known as vermiculture is another one. But it's just basically worm castings which is another one I think people will be like, what are castings? What's Verma? All of that sort of stuff. But it's just basically worm poop. You know? there, there it is. I was going to say, it. it's poop, It's just baby. worm poop worm poop, but you know what? It is guarding gold. It's literally like some of the best stuff that you could be using in uh, your garden for all types of growing. If you have the opportunity to be able to use worm castings. For me, for years, I was just purchasing my worm castings from one of my local granges here uh, that has had had always had a really good deal on it. So I'd always be purchasing these worm castings, but it was this last year, I was like, worms, it's got to so easy. And and as I started looking into it, I was like, you know what? This is something I can't pass up, especially as a small space gardener to be able to take advantage of growing and producing my own worm castings. Yeah. Yeah. Big
0: time. So vermicomposting is worm composting. It is not to be confused with hot composting or thermophilic composting. I get that question a lot from people. They say, Mm -hmm. can I just put worms in my Compost bin?
1: Yeah, yeah. Not if you're wanting to heat it up.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And got- and worms
1: will probably generally try to stay away from that situation, but you exactly. definitely don't want to be taking a bucket of uh, $20 worms that you just bought from someplace and dump them into a, a situation like that.
0: I give a class on uh basically alternatives to composting because thermophilic composting, the hot composting, it requires a lot of material to do Mm -hmm. it right, and you've got to balance it, and it's just a real project, whereas setting up a worm bin is pretty simple. You want to tell us about that?
1: Yeah, first off, like, I had this space in the back alleyway that I just, I didn't do, like, a hot compost. I just took yard waste and the leaves and just different things. And I would pile it up there and it would just break down and pile more and break down. Break And I'd end up after a year, I'd have some really good, just broken down compost down in the bottom of that. But this last year, I was like, I've had it for years and it was all I was really doing with it. But then I was like, you know what, let me take some kitchen waste and add it to it and see what what it starts doing with the worm life. And man, yeah. those worms just started populating like crazy. And I was just feeding them and just really building that up. And that's why, how I first started with my first worm system it was mm-hmm. just basically right out of the ground. And which is really, really easy to do. You're going to get a lot of worms that are going to be attracted to that, that space. And when you can get this generally in almost any garden or yard situation. You just start putting some yard waste some leaves and some lawn clippings and then throw some uh, uh, kitchen waste in the middle of that. And worms are going to just start, you're going to start building your own just natural kind of worm system. But for small space people and gardeners who only have so much limited space as worm bins, are really a great way to go too, and some bigger versions and different things for people have bigger spaces and all of that but yeah I just got done this last month building a plastic worm bin that I could just store right in a, a space here I have right in the house so that I hold on inside yeah yeah Because for me, I know those worms are out there from the yard and they're out there in that space outside, (laughs) out in the alleyway, and they're still feeding on a bunch of stuff I've given them and all of that. But it's going to start getting really cold and they're going to start getting a lot less active. They're going to start burrowing back into the earth and they're not going to be coming up to feed as much as the weather really starts getting cold. And I need those worm castings and I need worms working. All the time. So, I want, I, I, the one thing I got to do is I've got to give them the right temperature when it comes down to it in exactly. order to make sure that they're continuing to grow yeah. uh, or continuing to work and produce those castings constantly.
0: Exactly. Let me just, on an aside here, y'all have questions on the live mm-hmm. version of yes. this? Please drop them in the QA. Mm-hmm. And the problem that we had with worm bins in Phoenix was summertime. And I used to have yeah. a great big flow through worm bin. Out in my backyard, and what I would do is I would freeze a big block of ice and just drop it on the top Mm -hmm. uh, during the summer. And my problem here in Asheville, North Carolina, is the winter time. I can't keep them outdoors. This goes back to you keep you're keeping them inside. I can't keep them outdoors in the winter time because it's just too damn cold on them.
1: Yeah, yeah. In general, anything starts starting to approach forty degrees. Those worms are going to start really becoming inactive. They're going to try to burrow together to keep warm. If they don't got any other space to go to, they'll just huddle together. But in the garden or out there, those ones out there, they're going to dig and burrow their way down further into the earth in order to avoid all of those colder temperatures. So that's... And that's the key ultimately is that the, they'll be fine in cold temperatures. You find them actually, if you're going to go buy them and you go to the place of where I buy them locally, they're kept in a refrigerator. They're mm. kept around 40 degrees. So yeah. j- just so that they are inactive. And that's how a lot of people are going to, if you're getting them in at a local source, is going to be those sort of situations you run into. Unless you're getting them mailed to you, then they're going to be, yeah. you know, yeah, then they're going to be active and ready to go.
0: We'll talk more about that in a little while. Let's not walk past why is worm compost, worm poop, worm castings good for the garden? What makes them so great? Again, like I was
1: saying, they're garden gold and they're full of just so much natural fertilizer. It's basically a natural fertilizer and it's full of just all of the really great minerals and nutrients and different things that our plants are going to need. And more so those things that they make available for the root systems and Mm -hmm. those other living things around the roots as well too that's why as long as you're making sure that your soil is well taken care of with all these different nutrients which worm castings provides most everything that you're looking for well it it
0: provides soil life and nutrition
1: for the mm plants. yeah 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 and so it really activates everything in the soil Because it's got everything available. Almost everything can use what the worm castings are providing. That's why worms are all rolling around in the soil everywhere. It makes sense that where everything's green, there are worms rolling around in there. And so it makes sense that that they provide such a really uh, bioactive material
0: exactly it's just exactly. it's amazing and again
1: too it's not just like the npk those numbers we're looking for We would look at the numbers of worm castings and they would be low everybody's like, oh i need these big cool numbers when it comes to those and when you look it's not just the those npk values that they're providing it's all of the other there's a couple of other macronutrients all the micronutrients all of those sort of things that that they have that make them just this massive boost of just natural natural fertilizer. Yeah. So if we can make it ourselves, which is the great thing about getting into vermiculture and producing your own vermicompost and worm castings and all of that is is even better. Like I said, I bought mine for all this time. Now I'm going to be enjoying my own right here at home. Exactly. Because they're natural and they're they're part of a really great regenerative system.
0: Yeah. Mary Lynn wants to know... um, the second part of this question, the first part of the question is what are the best worms to use and right. where do we get them?
1: Okay, yeah, that's a, that's another thing as I was looking into it, into doing this for myself. And again, like I mentioned, I started this worm setup system, natural system outdoors and all of that. And as I was reading and looking into and researching more about the different aspects of worm farming my, myself, I looked into the idea that those ones I have outdoors aren't necessarily the best composters. You'll, you'll get a lot of them, and you can right. bring a lot of them and all of that. And there's about, a, would say, I think what, I, what they say in the research, about a dozen different types of earthworms that you'll find in North America here where we're at. And uh, there's many more, but 90% of them are going to be like these dozen types, and only mm-hmm. a couple of them are really good composters. A lot of, and one thing that uh, a lot of people don't think about when it comes to worms, too, is what we were talking about when in the, in the cold that they burrow and they get down. There are a couple of varieties that will do more burrowing, but they're really litter dwellers. They live mm-hmm. and burrow down below, but when they're active, they're up eating from the top. They're eating yep. uh, leaf litter, all sorts of different decaying and dying matter that's on the top. Of the soil so that's why you'll see especially at nighttime because they don't like light you'll see things moving in your yard and it's usually earthworms that are popping up and coming Mm -hmm. to the top so that they can get into and eat some of that leaf litter and everything and yeah and one other one other kind of interesting thing about them too is that we feed them these kitchen scraps they really love leaves and leaf litter like we're saying but one of the things is that they actually eat the these microorganisms and these fungi and these sort of things that are produced by the decaying matter.
0: Yeah, they're not so actually the, eating the decaying matter.
1: Exactly, exactly. So they're eating what's being produced by it.
0: Yeah, and yeah,
1: exactly. And I thought that was one of the more really cool, interesting things. And when it comes down to it, there's really just a couple of really good types and varieties in which you can get. And purchase online. You just type in composting. Do
0: you want composting worms?
1: composting that's what i'm saying make sure you're talking about composting because you want the composting worms and you'll see all of these companies that are there's tons of them where you can mail order and get them yeah. i again get mine locally from a local grange that's a local small business that i go to and i get mine there uh, which just look up for them but make sure you're looking up composting worms and these are generally going to be red wigglers yep. uh, astudia etuda and these are like the best composting worms. And there's people who bred different, stronger things and named them differently and all that sort of stuff, but really comes down to the, the red wiggler is a really good one. There's another variety that's really good for people who live in really warmer climates called Indian blue worm.
0: Oh, wow. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Indian blue worm, which is a good one for warmer climates. They can't handle colder climates. They'll die in, in some of the more colder climates that red wigglers can live in. A red tiger, red worms, but composting worms is basically, like you said, you want to make sure you're looking for composting worms. And uh, yeah, those are going to be your best ones. They're going to just, they're going to eat and eat all day long, <laughs> all night long and produce so, castings all day and all yeah, night long there too. You <laughs>
0: go. Let's, so Mary Lynn wants to know where to buy them. Find someplace <laughs> local if you're in, yep. I don't know where you're at, Mary Lynn, but if you're in the Phoenix metropolitan area, there's Arizona Worm Farm. You can actually yeah. go get, buy a bin and worms from them. Uh, mm-hmm. or just, you know, type the name of your city and type in composting worms and see what you come up with.
1: Cause yep, I'll bet yep. you
0: have somebody in your city that's doing it.
1: Another great resource for almost anything when it comes to gardening, even worms would be a uh, local extensions as well. So find yep. local extension services. They'll let you, you know, learn how to get local worms as well too.
0: Cool. I want to talk types of bins. Mm. and bedding. I have my favorite bin, which I will pull up and show you guys a picture of here. But I know you've been working on a couple. Tell us about those.
1: Yeah, again, so yeah, you got various different types of bins that you can do. Again, natural ones, as what I mentioned, uh, you can build these box, just this basic box, four-sided box, and you put a lid on it and make a little bench-type box. You can make this really basic, easy to do, and uh, you probably do it with wood scraps. You can find around if you've got wood scraps and all of that. And then again, if you want to bring them inside or as I need to do when it comes to colder climates, just using, and I don't like to use as much plastic as I can, but I don't see as much solution for, you can do some good wood boxes, but you got to make sure that they're not going to be, you're going to be catching all of your leachate and all of that really well. But yeah, so that's one of the ones I'm using right now is one I built this last month in order to start producing working with the red wigglers versus the earthworms and just using a regular box for the lid and using a couple of those. So you're basically creating a migratory system. So that was, and so there's different ways to do that. And also different companies making them too. If you want one that's already prefabricated and all of that, you can look for online and find those as well. As the ones that you're talking about as well, too, these uh, continuous flow systems, which are really cool and and, and something I still got to get figured out myself. I'm also going to be experimenting this year too, which is basically taking like a regular small bucket, maybe not a five gallon size bucket, but -hmm. maybe a smaller size bucket, two, three gallons, and just drilling a bunch of holes all through around it. And then stick that right into the garden space and then start Ah. feeding kitchen waste right into the garden space and see how that does. As well as one of these I've been wanting to get, because I again, small space gardening, you get limited on space. So these tower garden things that you see, there's tons of different no, types not. of them. Yeah, but they're, they're actually they're,
0: a tower garden is a hydroponic garden. Yeah, that's garden. what I'm saying the garden, garden tower tower
1: exactly now we're getting into names but that's what exactly
0: I was there's so many
1: different types of them that's what i was just about to say you've got regular you know soil ones you've got hydroponic aeroponic type of uh, systems as well all these cool towers that you got but one of the cool ones that i've seen and i think it might be the garden tower variety i'm not sure but it's a, I have to look it up again but it has we're going right down the center of it
0: yep And you you just put put the food waste right in the top and the worms go up. And And yeah, I love that.
1: Add the worms right in. So, again, all these different ways that we can be utilizing worms and different things that are out there to do that. But yeah, but just a nice, cool tiered plastic box system like I've got works really well for people with small spaces who are limited and maybe only have a closet or just a little spot that they can put aside for. Yeah.
0: Let me share here. I can share my screen. For those of you that are listening to this on the podcast after the fact, you're going to have to go to urbanwormcompany.com and check out their front page because that's where we're going right now. So this is what's called a flow-through bin. And I love it because what happens with the flow-through bins, and there's multiple different kinds of them on the market, most of them are stacking trays. This is more like a funnel. And yeah. you start it with some shredded cardboard or some cocoa peat right at yeah. the bottom and add your worms and then add some food. As the worms process the compost in there, they wor- work their way up the bin. And then periodically, I do it about twice a year, I open the bottom of the funnel and I just knock out the worm castings out and they fall out of the bottom and everything drops in the worm in the worm bin and you just keep adding stuff on top yeah and yeah, it works really really well and the cool thing about um the, I mean, look the at that company, setup
1: too that's really a nice setup
0: it is it is it's re- i love it this is i bought this shortly after arriving here in in asheville to do my composting and i've had steve the founder of the company on the podcast before and on the chat before talking about worm composting. And this is an amazing worm bin. And here's the cool thing. They'll give you 10% off if you use the coupon code urban farm, all one word. So if you do mm. want to go get one of those, they'll give you 10% off. And it's absolutely amazing. I love, love, love my worm bins.
1: Yeah, those are really nice. And I'd I definitely have... like to try that out.
0: And I have tried. I've been worm composting for over twenty years, and I've built things. I've tried the stacking trays. I've tried all of them over the past twenty years, and flat out, this is the one I love the best. So, yeah, definitely
1: can. I'm a. I'm going to definitely try to look into how to get a hold of one of those too. Definitely because then, um, all right. again, so, I'm trying to experiment
0: with all these different things. Right. So. Well, that's how we learn. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. That's how we learn for sure. Exactly. All right. So. Here's the thing. We have a bunch of questions here. Ooh, let's knock so out let's, some questions. Let, let's knock out some questions and let's try and keep them concise. So we're not, you not here it. at midnight. So let's do uh, it. Anonymous says, does vermicompost produce more fertile soil than composting for the same ingredients? That's, That's a, a good, a good question. question. Yeah. I don't know any facts around that. I know that if you're doing traditional composting, thermophilic mm. composting, and you're doing it right, What you have in the end is a nice nutrient-dense microbe compost, and I know that if you do vermicomposting and Mm -hmm. what you have is worm poop, that is just, that's amazing. So good question, Anonymous. I don't have the answer on that one.
1: I'm going to give it to both of them.
0: There you go. So Dennis, Rocky Point Dennis wants to know, what is the ratio of worm castings to soil for gardens and for trees. I can answer the trees part. You have any thoughts on the garden part?
1: Or like what I would add to like garden soil?
0: Yeah. Would you use straight worm compost?
1: No, that definitely is really valuable stuff. You want to stretch that stuff out as much as you can. So
0: but I've heard as high as 20%. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I Yeah, definitely making it stretch maybe a little less maybe a little more if I have a little more of it yeah not exactly. right around that range is probably a good range to to go with for sure yeah
0: perfect yeah any idea Donald wants to know how long can the castings be stored and still be good to use oh
1: yeah that I have not gotten into as far as <laughs> my research and all of that but I'd imagine they would they're probably pretty good unless the, until they've I don't know would they be good after they dried out Greg
0: yeah. The, so the that'll kill off some of the microbes in there right, or right. some a lot of the microbes. You want to use them when they're fresh yeah. or you keep them in a sealed container and don't, don't stick them in the front seat of your car. To keep, exactly. Yeah,
1: to keep those microbes and all that alive. Exactly. Yeah, I would say to the point of if you had old stuff and it's dried out, just toss it in wherever and whatever it does. Bonus. But if you're looking for something that's really going to be active... Going to be good nutrients for your garden. You want those. Mm -hmm. It's as new as possible, but definitely want to make sure there's a good level of moisture in
0: them. Yeah, exactly. Anonymous wants to know: Does the vermicompost worms change for different countries? Oh, I'm
1: sure that's probably the case. My research that I've looked into really centers around North America. Here, as I mentioned, we've got about a dozen different varieties that make up most of our earthworms. Yep. I bet you that up changes from different countries, elevations, climates, all sorts of different things. As I mentioned too, there's that Indian blue worm that lives oh, yeah, in these yeah, more yeah, yeah. warmer tropical areas. So I'm sure that some of those warmer variants and species probably prevail in those areas too. So those are all different things to think about on that question.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm. Let's see, Hill says, when I dig in my Phoenix dirt, There's no bug to be found. It is compacted and sandy. Can I introduce Uh, worms and feed them in the ground to help the process?
1: Ooh, Sandy. As long as you're, the thing again too comes back to the idea, I think that that worms are more litter dwellers than they are in the soil or what they're, the ultimate bedding that they're in, which... As long as there's a lot of food, a lot of scraps, leaf scrap, whatever it is, cardboard, all that sort of stuff for them to be living in and eating. Because that's all they're going to want to do. They just, they just, they eat. I don't even know if they sleep. I don't even know if they've that out no. anywhere. So when it goes down to it, that's what they want to be busy doing. And and so as long as you're providing a lot of that stuff, I'm, and then again, that's going to break down into your sandier soils and maybe build right. that up a little bit. So I, I'd say that I'm sure it would
0: help. And Hill, it's been my experience that you want to really start adding the compost and adding not just straight dirt. If you add worms and straight dirt in Phoenix, you're going to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. You need to start the process off by adding lots and lots of organic matter.
1: Yep. The food, really, the food is the biggest thing when it comes down to it.
0: Yeah, When food waste breaks down with mold, it becomes toxic to worms. That's not ever been my experience.
1: No, no. those molds, like we were saying, those molds, those different things are really what they're feeding on. That's what those are that they're eating. Again, they don't eat the actual food waste itself. They're eating all of this bacteria, microorganisms, fungis, and things that are developing around the decaying matter. so as they're decaying and dying, that's what they're eating up.
0: Sandra wanted to know the code and the coupon code is urban Urban farm. Farm. There you go. All right. Let's see here. Thomas Newton. After I have gathered the castings, do I mix the castings with other types of soil because of the toxicity of the castings might burn the new planting? Hold on one sec. Do I need to cut Mm -hmm. the worm tea? before applying it to plants. So let's go with the first one. Um, And Tom, worm castings aren't toxic. They're just potent. They can be potent.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Worms can handle a real wide range of pH levels. I think somewhere from five to eight or something like that. Really, a real wide range. At those higher and lower ends of that pH value. And at that point, yeah, you're going to be adding more and more soil or other types of substrates to Mm -hmm. make sure that you're breaking down that acidity yeah but one of the great things about worm castings though ultimately is they're not really going to burn your plants they're not going to burn things so you can use a good amount of them when it comes down to it
0: and we suggest when you're planting a fruit tree that you add two pounds of worm castings in each hole so
1: yeah yeah and that's a good amount too and And again, all in those worm castings are providing things not just for the plant, but all those other things that really make those uh, roots thrive in that soil all around. So
0: exactly. So Tom says, do I need to cut the worm tea before applying it to plants? So if you I'm going to jump in on this one, if you are using the leachate Mm -hmm. from the bottom of the worm bin, there's if there's leachate coming out of it, there's too much water in the bin. Yeah. According to Steve at the Urban Worm mm. Company, he says yep. that leachate is not really what mm-hmm. we're after. For some reason, if there's leachate coming out of the bottom, yeah, uh, you want to
1: take it as a sign.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, t-
1: Take it as a sign that you got to add some, I, I would use more paper scraps or cardboard, those sort of things. And instead of soaking them, just add them. Add a good amount of them right directly in there and mix it right up in there and try to soak up some of that extra water. Because again, too, they might live in a wide range of pH, but it doesn't take too much to get out of that range still. When you start taking oxygen away from them, when a lot of excess water is going to start depleting oxygen Mm -hmm. and those worms are going to start chasing, they're going to start running.
0: Yeah. And what I've done and what I've found is that I'm using chipped cardboard. So I Mm -hmm. was on a conversation with Zach Brooks at Arizona Worm Farm, and he said that he was, and Steve at Urban Worm Company told me the same thing. In fact, Steve told me to get a, a 12-page chipper shredder. And yep. I just feed my cardboard through that. It chips it mm-hmm. or cuts it into small pieces. And since I've started doing that, I don't have leachate coming out of the bottom anymore.
1: Yeah, There's... yeah. And another good thing to use too in your shredder is those paper bags, grocery oh, yes. store paper bags. So I never get the plastic ones, but if they have yeah. those ones, I like to I use my own, but I'll grab a few here and there to for the worms but but uh, well, yeah never, those make great way to especially to absorb some of the water if you're got excess water or that yeah, leachate exactly. coming out the bottom
0: you never want to use paper shredded paper because there's like bills and stuff that comes in the mail to us and that yeah. the plastics that they use to imprint those paper with we don't want those yeah. in our worm bins
1: yeah yeah What? don't be like yeah Yeah, don't ever shred anything, like you said, with a little plastic window in it or something. You don't want that sort of stuff for sure. But another part of the question I think that that he was also mentioning there too is just compost tea, which is really, I think, a really great subject for small space gardeners when it comes to why I'm actually raising earthworms Mm -hmm. and raising these composting worms is so that I can really take, I've got, a even for a small space, I got a lot of plants to feed. And so I want to use the earthworm and make just straight earthworm compost tea. And that would, I would say at that point, I'm just taking about a handful of it to say about a five gallon bucket of water. Then I'm going to let, you you can just let it stir in or whatever, if you want, and just make it stretch it out and pour that around on all of your different plants and give basically stretching out that worm castings for all of your plants.
0: All right. So we've got 12 questions here and we're running close to the end. So let's see how all many. Right, let's been. do it. Carrie wants to know, can you add chicken poop to vermicompost?
1: Um
0: Yeah, but you don't want to, you want to mix it with a lot of cardboard. You don't want to make sure I'm that saying. you put big chunks of it in there because yeah, it's yeah. very hot. That's what I'm Um, saying, yeah. Although I would say it's better to put your chicken poop around the basins of your fruit trees. That's a better use of it.
1: (laughs) There you go, exactly.
0: Chicken poop is already a great fertilizer. Barb says, I live in Southern Oklahoma and have a traditional compost bin and the worms in my composter look more like grubs. That appears to be in the kitchen waste. I put in compost starter in the spring and they just appear the compost is a barrel type and she rolls it to mix it so it's a closed system they're probably black soldier flies
1: not that closed yeah but exactly black soldier flies and again there's other things that are going to love to eat on waste and do similar things lots of different fly varieties and things like that that are going to if your waste is accessible to a lot of things, it's why it's really a good idea. And what I even do with the one outside is I bury it underneath of everything. Yeah. So there's a good layer of things on top of it. So not just those other types of, of flies and sort of things that can get in there and burrow their eggs and, and, and their larva produce out of it. There's other uh, pests, rats and things like that'll dig in or, or if they can smell it or see it they're going to go after it and make a mess of things and stuff so i always say if you're using in kitchen waste and all of that especially in a worm system make sure you're burying it
0: And gonna black soldier flies aren't bad they're consuming the waste as well and yeah adding their mix to it and yeah
1: and leaving a frass they call that
0: exactly they They call that frass michelle says can we use the bottoms of cardboard egg cartons like vital farms yeah Mm -hmm. Two thumbs up on that. Absolutely. (laughs) And then let's see here. Tom found maggots in his worm bin. Is that bad? That's back to the black soldier flies. Those are good guys, actually. Um, Vera wants to know, I've heard that you have to chop up or grind up the kitchen scraps. Is that necessary?
1: I say no. I'm not putting whole things, really. I still chop up a little bit. But I'm not like trying to chop it up really fine. And I've even seen in my research some videos of people blending Yep. and in, in, in pouring it in again to, I think that's just adding too much moisture right away oh when you've when you got it all it. blended up like that. So
0: if you had enough the, cardboard, that's not a problem. Here's right, the thing. Right. And I know that Arizona Worm Farm composts the food waste first and mm-hmm. then feeds it to the worms. Yeah. And Because remember, the worms aren't eating the food waste. They're eating the microorganisms around the food waste.
1: Yep. I have a little closed container I keep on the kitchen counter. So Mm -hmm. I just add to it and I add to it. And every couple of days, I'll take it either to the outside worm bin or my other compost that I have or if it's time to feed the worms it's definitely going to be sitting on that counter for a couple of days to already start to break down because i want all of those microorganisms and fungi and things like that that they're going to actually be feeding on to be right there available to them when i give it to them
0: yeah exactly yeah so blending it can be good if you want to go the go the route i don't
1: yeah yeah any way to feed them really is going to They're going to, they're going to eat whatever when it comes down to it. Exactly. But but again, too, this really comes down to the idea. I think ultimately why I would do it more in chunks is that's what they're doing. They're feeding on this, these things that are break as it's breaking down. So Mm -hmm. if it's not well blended, then it blended. It's going to break down real quick. There's only going to be so much. And whereas if it's breaking down over a little bit slower process, I think the worms get to feed on more bacteria.
0: Exactly. Or exactly. Other, micro,
1: other microorganisms and things.
0: Sandra says, would you repeat the discount code? The discount code is at Urban Worm Company. It's also in the chat, urbanwormcompany.com. The discount code is Urban Farm." She uh, said, also, I cannot risk attracting rodents to my compost piles, including kitchen scraps to anything accessible to rodents is out of the question. What do you do for rodents and bugs for that matter
1: uh well rodents rodents have to contend with my alleyway cats i'm an urban farmer Mm, so whether i have my whether i have my own cats which i do if i even if i didn't have my own cats i would have local cats where i'm at so my compost bin i don't think the they try to play around in those areas that are out in the open like that too much (laughs) But again, it is a problem for most anybody anywhere. Rats will find their places to food when it comes yeah. down to it. And, they'll, and they're going to eat on things if it's available to them. And again, if you don't want that, I say really they'll dig and burrow a little bit to find some stuff. But if they've really got it buried, like I haven't had, again, probably because of the cats again, but I haven't really ever seen any rodent situations with where I'm burying all of these food wastes into this Uh, other compost thing but if you're turning a compost bin and it's full of stuff yeah it's going to probably attract those sort of things yeah get some cats
0: there you (laughs) go the the nice (laughs) thing about the urban worm bin is that it seals right got a zipper on the top you're
1: closing it up. up And that's, again, then getting to the point of having the indoor or those type of closed systems is that you're keeping it away from those sort of things when you're doing that. So it is a good way to start processing your food scrap waste. But also another thing, too, I'll give just another suggestion just off the idea of worms for a second. If you do have excess food scraps and those sort of things, look for a local program, composting programs that will accept excess food scraps as well, too. So you don't have to let them go to waste completely or... They're gonna they're gonna break down and do what they do wherever they end up. But you know, yeah, ultimately, if exactly. you can get them somewhere that works, we have a cool community place that takes food scraps and makes compost for local small farms.
0: Oh, nice, 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 mm-hmm. nice. All right, so we have a couple of questions here around what not to add. Michelle wants to know lemon peels. I'd say lemon and orange and avocado skins. I'm I don't put those in my bins.
1: Yeah, I've read that they're okay, but in excess can be a bit too much. So maybe if it's just one or two here and there that you're tossing in, but if you got yeah. if you're pro- if you're processing a whole bunch of lemons or even oranges or any citrus or that sort of stuff, and you've got a bunch, I just probably wouldn't do that with regular compost for all of that.
0: Bats and fish scraps. She wants to know if she can add yeah, bats yeah. and fish scraps. Yeah, again,
1: Um, coming down to the idea of what you want to, that's going to, if anything's going to attract rats or those sort of things like that, it's going to be meat, fats, fish scraps, those sort of things are going to get anything not just rats and stuff, but you're going to have raccoons, you're going to have possum, you're going to have all sorts of different things that are going to try to get to those sort of things. Yeah, it's probably not the best way to go for those sort of things.
0: Tom says, thanks for taking our questions. Can you add cooked meat to warm bins? As far as, and, and then Peggy says, coffee grounds mm. and eggshells. Absolutely on coffee ground and eggshells. As far as meat goes. Smell yeah, you just have to play with it. That's what
1: the e compost and decaying things they're ultimately going to. It's just about the amount. Yeah, that you're exactly. giving it and so they will eat those sort of things now again I just said smell really again too if you're especially if you're doing something indoors a closed system mm-hmm. when you open that thing up again too the worms are going to eat those sort of things I just wouldn't put them in I wouldn't put them in the worm bin I wouldn't put meat in those sort of things in the regular compost either just because on,
0: on the other hand I do yeah when I had yeah when I had the compost bins in Phoenix. I just, everything went in them. Everything went in them. The only, I do put, we don't eat a lot of meat here, but I'll put cooked meat into the uh, worm bin here. I don't put bones. Right. Basically anything that's going to dry out and not really break down. Use your bones and make bone broth. That's what I say.
1: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Exactly. Um,
0: Hill says, Can a worm bin become overpopulated? Not likely. Nature does a really good job of self-regulating, right?
1: Yep, that's the thing too. And one of the one of the cool things about worms is that they will reproduce up to a level for the food that you're providing them. So Mm -hmm. they they know how to really self-regulate. They know when to start reproducing again. They know when to stop reproducing. Yep. It, but again, too, one of the real good reasons why those red wigglers are really great composting worms too is the rate of reproduction. So if you're really trying to get a lot of worms and get them really reproducing, those are the, some of the best worms for that because they, they are a really fast reproducer.
0: Sandra wants to know, would you use the Urban Worm Company's worm bag indoors?
1: Yeah, I Probably
0: don't not. If I was going to mm-hmm. do indoor worm composting, I would get a sealed tub from mm-hmm. one of the big box stores, maybe a 25 gallon yep. size and worm compost in that so that you can put the lid on it. The thing about the urban worm bin is that any leachate does drip out of the bottom. If you don't mind that being in your house, yeah. go for it.
1: Yeah, especially if you got an away space. If you got a space that's away, a closet that's away, or a basement, maybe an attached garage, and places like that, just a little off, away from the regular living quarters is something I would say definitely.
0: Oh, here's a good one. Carolyn and Julie said, hardware cloth on top of my worm box keeps the rats away. There you go. Nice.
1: Create a barrier.
0: Yep, 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 yep. Let's see. Martha says, I had my been for two years. I live in Flagstaff, cold climate and have them in my studio during the winter. Do you leave the worm compost in the bin and add it until summer and spread it over the garden in the winter? She said we get snow. It's got microorganisms in it. You know, if you're getting 30 below weather, I'd add the worm castings when I planted my plants in the gardens in the spring. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes, definitely in spring. And that's one of the reasons why, like right now, I I was like, okay, fall is this really great time to really get into vermicomposting and Mm -hmm. do that because especially indoor, like I'm going to be doing, living in a cold place, like she's talking about is I'm going to need to bring mine indoors during this cold period of time. And so why not get started? Right before winter time, because it's going to take a few months for them to start producing those worm castings. So have them work and do all that production so that by the time spring comes rolling around, I'm already harvesting worm castings and I'm ready and they're right ready to apply to all those spring garden beds. Yeah. It's, or a big thing, too, I do a lot of growing from my own seed. Worm castings are great for seed starting mix. Mm-hmm. So I use, that's one of the primary uses I use for my worm castings is in all yes. those seed starting mixes that I'm doing in the late winter and throughout spring.
0: Michelle says you mentioned rats, et cetera. Can't they chew through the cloth of the urban worm company bag? I suspect they could. That would be, I could ask Steve about that and see what experience he's had, but I suspect nice. they could. Yeah. Um, Richard said, I use my urban worm bag indoors. I started by having it in the laundry room, consistent warm temperatures and dark. Then my house manager took it out. It was put in the pantry. Interesting. The -hmm. worms grew, but the other house residents complained about the fruit flies. That happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. After the bed was put outside, all of the worms died there in Central California. Not surprising, especially Central California in the summer. Yeah. So here's one for you. Nancy Schaefer says also what's the difference between vermicompost tea and leachate?
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. So leachate, this is just, again, if you're seeing leachate out of a worm bin, it's probably just a little too wet, but that's basically what it is, this moisture or extra moisture that comes from the worm uh, bedding Mm -hmm. and just basically flows down to the bottom of whatever your container or bin is. And and then that liquid is called a leachate and versus a worm tea, which I mentioned just a few minutes ago as well, Mm -hmm. too, would be just separate. You would be taking those worm castings and you would be, depending on how much you use, I probably, again, let's say and I would use about a handful for a five-gallon bucket. And then that's something that, and then I'll put a little air stone in there. Let it percolate for a day or two. exactly, And then create basically all, get some life going in there. Some people even add some like molasses or some sort of sugar source and really start getting them feeding on it over a good 24 hour or so period of time. And then that is your compost tea is what you would be different than the leachate that's coming from the actual worm bedding.
0: Yeah. And according to Steve from uh, Urban Worm Company, that leachate, we don't want to be using as compost tea you just Mm. pour that away all Mm. right we have two more questions and a statement three more questions and a statement and then we're going to wrap it up okay here uh richard says i have rats in the space where i kept my worm bins and no rats chewed the urban worm bag that's good any strategies to deal with fruit flies in an indoor worm bin keep a lid on it
1: Yeah. I try to keep a lid on it. One of the things actually that I do, I'm doing to limit the amount of fruit flies I get. So like that shredded uh, paper material, whether it's a shredded up cardboard, I use these uh, garbage bags, but so I'll bury the food in there for one, because that way they're not going to be able to get through there. And then I put another layer of that shredded Paper material right on the top. Yep. And then I put something flat, like maybe a piece of cardboard or something like that on the top of that. And then I've got the lid for the container itself. So creating layers that these whatever is going to have to try to find their way through. And it seems to be working out pretty well for the indoor system. But again, it is a risk for having that sort of stuff indoors. Again, too, it's just burying and making sure that food is only accessible to those worms and not to anything else that could try to get to it.
0: Yeah. And I've had really good luck with the Urban Worm Bag if I Mm -hmm. keep the lid zipped.
1: Yeah. See that? Um, You get the real benefit of that zipper too. yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: exactly tom says thanks for the distinction between warm tea and leachate and another
1: thing like you were saying or your friend was saying it's not best to be using for your garden or or whatnot and again too another idea some people talk about is just taking water and pouring it through their worm bed systems so that the so that they can gather just extra leachate that comes through and i would that's just not recommended at all
0: and richard says Kept He kept a five-gallon bucket under his worm bag to capture mm-hmm. any leachate, it, and it did get to overflowing. I noticed that early on in yeah. my system. I was having that problem. And mm-hmm. when I started using the chipped sh- cardboard, so when I add, say I add two pounds of compost in there, I'll add mm-hmm. two pounds of cardboard. Yeah, I'm adding a sig- a significant mm. amount of cardboard along the way. So. Yep,
1: yeah. But you want to keep it almost as equal to whatever you're feeding to these dry browns, as we would call them, similar with your compost, regular compost. And these are leaves are another good one as well, too. Your, your, yep. your leaves that you're getting in your off of your fall trees, dry paper, cardboard, those sort of things like that. Yeah. And you definitely want to do that. And that helps keep... Your moisture level at a balance and that's what you're really looking for is a balanced moisture level not too much and definitely not too little yeah exactly because remember here's another thing about worms is that they breathe through their skin and so because they breathe through their skin they do need a certain level of moisture so definitely don't let your bins or uh, get too dry either
0: exactly all right one final question often How often should we feed the worms if they are living in a DIY worm compost made of five-gallon buckets? I have seen a wide range of frequency from as often as daily and as infrequently as every three weeks. What are the signs of too much food or not enough food?
1: Okay, again, so I'm going to let my food sit for a couple of days. It's going to be already breaking down. And for a five-gallon, like he's asking, uh, I'm really only saying maybe a couple of cups of Waste for a five-gallon system for a couple of weeks. When so when, when, when they're getting
0: started, yeah.
1: When you're getting started, and then once they really start populating and they started doing that, they're going to go through that food a lot faster. So then yep. you'll be che- you'll be checking on them a little bit more frequently, but it definitely wouldn't be like every day. That's a big thing you want you don't want to do too is bug your worms let them let them do their thing until it's time to feed them again don't go and check on them every day uh, pop digging in there and seeing what you got which is i want to do i totally want to do i want to get to know my worms but my worms don't want to get to know me at all they just want the food and to be left and to do what they need to do so
0: one of the things of putting too much in there if Mm -hmm. it starts getting hot yeah. So if it actually starts thermophilic composting in the bin, that's too much. And you just, you, Nadia, you just have to play with it.
1: Yep, um, yep.
0: You know. Again,
1: too, and start smaller than than what you would think in a sense. Yeah. Then again, too, so you put it in there. And here's a big thing too, and we didn't really discuss this, bedding. We touched on a little bit here and there, but worms, will eat. the bedding you're giving your worms is also food.
0: Yes, the cardboard.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you give them just a little bit, they are also going to feed on that bedding as well, too, which you want them to do. Yeah. But then you're also going to be able to see how fast did it take them to eat that. And then from there, and again, you got to adjust and you got to play with it because they're going to populate more. They're going to eat faster. But you also want to make sure you're not giving them too much because everything they live in is food, except for their
0: castings. Except for their castings. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts? And then let's wrap this up.
1: Again, too, just getting back to the idea that worm castings, I think, are really, as I mentioned, garden gold. They're really the richest natural fertilizer known to human beings. So if you have the opportunity to be able to take and have some space somewhere, whether you live in a warm enough climate, you can keep them outdoors all the time, or if you're doing something indoors in a garage, that sort of thing, it's a, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor to be able to produce your own worm castings really take a look at the price of worm castings and the cost of worms yeah and the cost of worms and start producing your own and start to create and continuing this again on this theme of a more regenerative cycle in my garden system worms play a big part of that kind of system whether it's naturally out in the garden as i mentioned to begin with what i got going on out there or it's in this purposeful bin container that i've established to create this vermiculture composting system there's one of the most beneficial fertilizers you can get and why not produce it yourself right at home
0: amen to that mary lynn says do you shred the cardboard first yes i put it through a, a paper mean, shredder so, yeah, i think you
1: mentioned like a 12 page but anything bigger than that is even yeah. better they can get them up to 16 18 page thickness that you can shred if you can get a nice 12 to 18 somewhere in that range you're going to have a good shredder and shred those yeah. cardboard up if yeah, not, exactly. you got to break. If not, you got to
0: straight it up yeah. yourself somehow. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Yeah, Thank you so it. much. Tom is throwing a kudos to us. He says I've gotten at least twenty-two pieces of usable information from this chat. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Thank Excellent. you, Alicia. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Enoch. This was uh, great fun. I've been on your show a couple times. Where can people yeah. find you at?
1: Yes, definitely. Just write easy. Www. Let's get growing dot live. Let's get get growing dot live, and uh, that'll take you to our web page. You can find us at the Urban Gardener on YouTube, which is our YouTube channel. And Uh, yeah, all right, to have you come check it out. In fact, I'll have a video up on my worm bin system that I built here this last month that everybody can go check out there as well.
0: Awesome! Thank you for your time. Thanks, Greg. Happy holidays, everybody.